This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit allentempleamec.com slash donate. Thank you for listening. The scripture that was read earlier for your hearing came from Psalm 133. I'm just going to lift up the first verse. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Just for a few brief moments this morning, my sermon topic will be U-N-I-T-Y. U-N-I-T-Y, unity. Let us pray. Gracious God, hide me behind the cross. This is the time, Lord, when you are speaking to your people. I am only the vessel, for they did not come to hear me, but to hear you. Let a word go forward that touch someone, well, they may say, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. There's a word from the Lord this morning. For you music lovers out there, on November the 9th, 1993, Queen Latifah released a song called U-N-I-T-Y. The song won the 1995 Grammy Award for Best Rap Solo Performance. The song U-N-I-T-Y focused on confronting disrespect of women in society, addressing issues of street harassment, domestic violence, and slurs against women in hip-hop culture. Because of its message, many radio and television stations would play the song without censoring the B and the H words, which appear often in the lyrics. Now, if you don't know what those words are, I recommend that you listen to the song. However, not in the presence of small children. Queen Latifah said she was inspired to write this song at a fraternity picnic in Philadelphia, where she was incensed by the chauvinism she witnessed. She got angry, but the winning emotion that day was a desire for unity. Webster Dictionary defines unity as the quality or state of being joined as a whole. The quality of being in one accord, in harmony. The Bible mentions unity in different contexts. In the Old Testament, the unity of God is central to the faith of Israel. Psalm 133 is a song of accents contributed to King David. It is a psalm that celebrates and praises the goodness and blessings of living together in unity. It declares that God bestows his blessings and life on those who are united in his love. In the New Testament, unity is described as oneness and as a result of God bringing together people of different backgrounds, social classes, into one family through Christ Jesus. Faith 
is the risen, and the risen Christ draws people not only to see the things with our fellow Christians, but the risen Lord creates a new family of those who believe in him. Christian unity is a spiritual reality that reflects the unity of the Trinity and is empowered by the Holy Spirit shared by the mission of brotherly affection and service. For unity is a common topic in the Bible, promoting the peacefulness of living unified in harmony. God calls his people to live in unity with one another. So it is important to make every effort to live together in harmony with everyone. Let me say that one more time. It is important to make every effort to live together in harmony with everyone. Regardless of beliefs and differences, God commands us to do all in love. Now, in order to do this, we must be in agreement with each other, just as it was on the day of Pentecost. This was the day when the disciples and the people were all in one accord, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were in agreement with one another. Now, there's a difference between complying and agreement. Now, my supervisor can give me an assignment, and she can tell me how she wants it done. Now, I may not agree with it, but I'm going to comply because she's my supervisor. Sometimes people in authority don't even care if you agree or not, as long as you do what they request. So to comply is to be in accordance with someone's request, demand, or demands. And it works the same in life, too. If you're in a relationship with someone, you are not always going to agree with that person. But you may comply just to get along or just to keep the peace. Be very careful, because just because someone is complying doesn't always mean that they are agreeing. To agree, we see eye to eye. We are on the same page, if you will. We share the same sentiment. We have the same vision. So we are in agreement with each other. Well, to establish unity, first we must understand what unity, or U-N-I-T-Y, represents. The U represents united in Christ. To be united, we must first study his daily word. 2 Corinthians 13, 11 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, Finally. rejoice, Amen. strive for full restoration, yeah. encourage one another, yeah. be of one mind, yeah. and live in peace, yeah. and that the God of love and peace will be with you. N represents nation. Nation is from the Greek word ethnos, which means a group of people who are associated by some shared characteristic, whether geographical, family, 
are tribal. Nation focuses on people. Now in school, back in my day, we used to say the Pledge of Allegiance every morning. And in that Pledge of Allegiance, we would say, one nation under God. Y'all remember that? Well, there is not only one nation under God, because God is above all nations. So every nation is under God. This is not about the United States. It's about your nation and how do you relate to your fellow man or your fellow woman. As Christians, we must learn to the, the divine plan for the nations by which all peoples come to know their true identity as human beings, created to unite together in Christ. The eye represents identity, identity with Jesus. It means looking more and more like one after another whom the tribe is named after. To identify in Christ changes us from the inside to the out. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. We are here to express compassion as Christ did. We are here to breach social barriers as Christ did. We must suffer as Christ did. People are going to lie on you and talk about you and call you every name except a child of God. But vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I shall repay. The T represents truth. The truth that is to bring sometimes division among the body of believers when it is not told. I believe that truth once centered on Jesus Christ, will bring unity and not division. The truth of God's word should bring oneness and not categorization among us. God is looking to build a church where everyone values relational unity. There is power being brought together in Jesus' name. Amen? And when we are united in Jesus, Nothing that we propose to do will be impossible for us. For John 14, 6 and 7 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. You will know the truth and what and who he is. Finally, the why represents the yearning of God. Yearning means you have a strong desire to know more about God. You have a longing to get to know the greatness of God. You don't praise God just because what he does, but because who he is, because of whom he is. We should give him praise. Lord, I am yearning for you. For you are the wisdom, the power, and understanding 
and vision that I am searching for. So you ask the question, well, a preacher, how do we begin to obtain this thing called unity? Well, there's three points. First, we must create an atmosphere where people feel welcome in our church. When we do our morning greetings, the pastor and the minister goes around and hugs everybody and shakes their hand. Now, to me, that's, that's a great thing because that doesn't always happen in all churches. I know. I've been to many a church. I've been to the Baptist church, the CME, the UME, the Protestant, Pentecostal, Moss, AME, Catholic, etc. You walk in, and some people treat you like you got two heads. Uh, they're whispering and talking about you where you can hear them. Now, who can believe in a God when you have people in church acting like that? And I'm not saying it happens here. I'm just talking about the church in general. I've been to an AME church recently, and I had my collar on, and the pastor came in, looked at me, and And I said, oh, okay. Now, when it was time to welcome the visitors, he asked the visitors, didn't ask the visitors to stand. After church, he headed straight for the exit. So I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, who wants to be a part of a church like that where you don't feel welcome? I remember the first day I came here, I felt the love. And I said, this is going to be the church where I'm going to praise God. Because I felt welcome and I felt love. The people were genuine. See, people can tell when you are phony. You know, this is not an act here. This is something very serious. So how do we create this positive attitude? Well, we got to meet people where they are. You know, when you meet someone, don't start quoting the Bible. There's a time and a place for that. Get to know that person. Then, as time goes on, you can start ministering to that person. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you're doing. Let your words be synonymous with your actions. Now that's another sermon for a different day. <laughs> Second, and this is a big one, we have to eliminate cliques in the church. Now in all fairness, some of these may not be intentional, you know, but sometimes people will make you feel like you don't have the right social status. You don't have the right education. I'm not in this club. I'm not in that club. I didn't go to the Ivy League school. You know, I don't make six figures. Whatever the situation is, this could be your perception 
are your imagination. Sometimes people can make you feel lonely in a crowd. Now, if the church is going to grow and be productive, we must be careful how we interact with one another, particularly people in the church and people outside the church. And even in ministry, sometimes if you're not wearing the right collar, you may get overlooked. Or if you don't belong to a bigger church, you may get overlooked. Tell the truth and shame the devil. Don't ever feel that because you may not have a big title, or you may not pay the most money, or you are just a member, that you are not important in God's eyes. You are made in God's image. You are not better than anyone else. God is no respecter of person. God will provide with every person with the opportunity to receive his blessings available through the plan of salvation. You are somebody. You are important to God, no matter what you do. So don't get tied up in a position or a title. Everyone, everyone has something to do in God's kingdom. Just remember that. And third, and finally, not only do we have to create a positive environment, not only do we have to eliminate cliques, but we also must give our own testimony. Now, there was a time in church where people were allowed to give their testimony. Now, the testimony was not just for them, but it gave the person the opportunity to relate to someone else. Somebody could be going through the same situation as you. Someone could be having the same circumstance. Someone could be sitting in silence, suffering. Because we believe that no one understands what we are going through, we don't always give our testimony because we are ashamed. Uh, we are feeling guilty about something to tell someone about our situation. Being in the dark environment can alter your mood. You won't be as happy or as positive as you can be. But you never know. You never know. Your testimony can bring that person closer to Christ. Yeah. We all fall short of the glory of God. Yeah. Therefore, if you have an opportunity, let someone know just how good God has been to you. Let someone know what he has done for you, what he has brought you through, that he has delivered you. The God we serve is a God of unity who desires his church to live in unity and harmony, built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. It is Jesus who draws us together with the power of the Holy Spirit that makes our bond stronger. For it is his blood that can unite us as one. I'm so glad that Jesus shed his blood on Calvary. It was Jesus who made that ultimate sacrifice. Thank God that he loved us so much that he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. They mocked him. They spat on him. They called him all kinds of names. 
They put a crown of thorns on his head. They put nails in his hands and in his feet. They hung him high and stretched him wide on an old rugged cross called Golgotha. But our Savior hung his head and died. But thank God it didn't end there because three days later he got up. He got up with power in his hands. He got up with power in his hand. That's why we can say today, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name, on Christ, on Christ, on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. On Christ, on Christ, the solid rock. All, all of the ground is sinking sand. Unity, U-N-I-T-Y, United Nations, identifying truth and yearning for God. Let's be in unity, church. Let's be in unity, for it is the way that Christ designed it. He wants us to love one another. Unity, we all, As one, Jesus paid it all, took away all our burdens, paid the price for all our sins because of unity, because of unity. God bless you.